Astro Travelers, and welcome to another episode of Tales of Defaught, a Genshin Lore podcast. Last week, we got unexpectedly dark when discussing Barbara's past and future chances in the game. But we're hoping instead Hoyoverse just brings us some more information on Tavat Idol so we could get a little more brightness and cheer in our day again. This week, however, we're going to continue down the ominous and threatening route, and we're going to talk about the Vision Hunt decree in Inazuma. Additionally, before we jump into it, I want to remind travelers to visit talesofdevot.com to see visual representations of the lore mentioned during today's podcast. Your guides have put them together for you to make things a little easier to understand. But with that being said, let's jump into Inazuma. We haven't had an Inazuma topic yet. Finally, an Inazuma episode. This is the first time we're delving. I mean, we we delved kind of in, in Konomiya, but that's not really Inazuma. Well, I hope everyone's being electrocuted right now. Oh, oh no! <laughs> I'm electrified. I'm definitely electrified. Perfect. All the water, the trees, they all should be killing you slowly right now. <laughs> Before we even get to Inazuma and we're talking with, is it Zhang Li and Li Wei? And he's telling us where we got to go next. He's mm-hmm. like, ha ha ha, good luck. Because he knows about the Vision Hunt decree. And he also knows about the Sakoku decree. So maybe we should talk a little bit about what those two things are and what the difference is between them. Because I know I was a little confused when I first started the game. I thought they were the same. Yeah, the Sakoku decree is this massive storms surrounding Inazuma that keeps ships from coming to the group of islands. And the Vision Hunt decree is a whole other beast. The Sakoku decree is very similar to IRL Japan's like border close off for like a period of over I think what 400 years and they only traded with the Dutch which is very interesting because Thomas from Mondstadt <laughs> exactly it's very similar the borders are closed no one in no one out right wait so I guess I'm a little confused so the Sokoku decree it closes the borders but there's a storm surrounding it right so yes Ships can't get in, but like also once they get there, people are also sort of like turned away, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they have to come into Rito. Anybody who does actually make it through because Beto makes it through with her merchant ship and stuff like that. And they have to pay extraordinarily high sums of money to be able to stay or else they get kicked back out and all this stuff basically to keep a lot of control on the goods. The people who do not have to worry about any of this, though, are the Fatui and the Shneznayan diplomats. They have, yes. (laughs) So they were able to get around to this and they can just come and go as they please. But the storm that's actually out there, Raiden Shogun actually creates it specifically to keep people out. It's like, she was like, having a law about it isn't enough. I need to really show these people (laughs) I mean business. You know, it's interesting because the more we learn about the story and the vision hunt decree, you start to realize how little Raiden may have had actually to do with any of this mainly because there's always when anything happens in any parts of this game there's always some kind of Fatui or Shnezayan connection but like the Tenryo Commission and the other I all of a sudden just forgot the names Tenryo, Kanjo, and Yashiro yeah, and what do they equal? The three branches of government in the U.S. Have you heard of them? No, I'm just... No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they, they have are the a name, though. They call them something. They're part of the shogunate. 
right? Yes, the shogunate. Thank you. Yes, it's the shogunate. That's the word. <laughs> I got you. Thank you. And you, Yasha. <laughs> but also, like, when you say Raiden, who do you mean? First of all, it's Raiden. <gasps> wow. It is. It's Raiden. Got Tiff. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So we were talking about the Sokoku decree. And then the other thing that we mentioned was the Vision Hunt decree. And the Vision Hunt Decree is something that was established by the Raiden Shogun to basically steal all of the visions of people that have them from Inazuma. And that leads us into the Raiden Shogun. And who is this that's pulling all of these strings and making all of these decisions? Before we give a little explanation of who she is, I also just want to point out that we are also going by what we are told in the story from the beginning. We're led to believe that it's all the Raiden Shogun that's behind all of this, but there are others who are kind of pulling some strings as well. So from this point on, spoilers for the entirety of the Inazuma Archon quest. Yeah, this is your last chance to jump ship, so. Yeah, or else I'm just gonna blow your ears off with spoilers, so like, get fucked, I don't know. So when we say Raiden Shogun, Raiden Shogun is a puppet created by A, the Electro Archon of Inazuma currently. The Raiden Shogun is a puppet that she created to watch over Inazuma while A meditates in the plane of Euthymia. Did I say that right? Yes. Rare. (laughs) And she is there trying to figure out a way to reach eternity. And the Raiden Shogun is programmed by her to honestly be a hard ass. And the Raiden Shogun technically is the one who started the Vision Hunt decree, but she was convinced by the Fatui and the Tenryo Commission, if I'm not wrong. You are correct. Yeah, and just a little more backstory. A, the uh, Electro Archon, she was originally the sister of a different Electro Archon named Makoto, which we'll get into that in a different episode. And she becomes the Electro Archon after the events of the Cataclysm, or the Cataclysm, if you will. (laughs) She decides that she wants to go to this plane of Euthymia and meditate on the idea of eternity. So she decides she needs a figurehead a puppet to play her role in society while she is like off in the spiritual realm and so she creates this puppet and actually the first puppet she makes is spoiler alert Scaramouche so Scaramouche is for all intents and purposes A's child sort of like albedo was created by gold just a bunch of humanoculus babies yeah so skarmush was the first puppet and then a decided uh i don't like that so she created another one that actually looks like her and the image that she liked i guess better and that was who became the writing shogun she goes i look good as shit why did i make this little emo boy <laughs> yeah i'm assuming that that's a form that she just made up just sort of like venti is like a form <laughs> that Barbados made up. I'll just throw it at the wall, see if it sticks. <laughs> She's like, well, uh, the Scaramouche body didn't really suit me, so let me be like, 
like this hot woman <laughs> with a pole arm. <laughs> Don't forget, she got pole arm, but she got them sword titties. Another interesting part of that is that while the Raiden Shogun is the figurehead, like B said, I still really is making the, or A, sorry. I always say I. It's A? A-I? A, yeah. I owe you. A-I. <laughs> she I. maybe that's what the puppet is the puppet <laughs> actually ai we have figured it all out i think so so a is still making the decision she's they still have to like go back to her and like talk to her and get her to sign the checks and that kind of thing and there's a whole piece that we do within the story of how we actually get to go talk to her as well where we have to get like you know almost like a permission slip from yainiko to be able to speak with her but she is still making the decisions but on top of having the puppet of the raiden shogun she also has the shogunate that is made up of three commissions the tenryo the kanju and the yushiro commissions and these groups are the ones who are more so like the arms of the government that's taking care of everything in inazuma with the tenryo kind of being a little bit more in the forefront they're the ones who are actually taking the visions they have a little bit more of a badass kind of a side to it they're, they're sort of like the police right the tenryo commission yeah yeah and some characters that are in the tenryo commission is Kujo Sarah, but also isn't Haizo? Yeah, Haizo is a detective for the Tenryo Commission. Those are two characters in there too, so. And then where are the other ones? So there's the Yashiro Commission, right? Which is the culture, which is head by the Kamisato clan, which is Ayato's thing. And then you also have Ayaka, his sister, the better one, the better sibling. <laughs> a- Ayato is so sus to me. Don't forget Toma, the house husband. Yes, Toma, my house husband. <laughs> wow. I share him. I share him with Ayato. I share him with. I'm. You know. I'm not greedy. <laughs> Everyone can have a piece of Toma, just like a small piece. <laughs> not according to bees. Only him and Ayato get him. I mean, no. I'm. I'm willing to share him with other people. I'm not that greedy. But um, they sort of had culture. They do events and everything, and then they also sort of work behind the scenes, especially. Ayaka with some help from Toma to actually subvert the vision hunt decree which is I guess we'll get into that a little bit more the third commission I forget so I'll let Tiff explain that one the Kanju commission is the last one Mm-hmm. They're actually less involved in any of the kind of militant side of things. I'm actually not sure like what their branch would be covered by. Isn't it trade that they cover because they're on Rito? Yes. Oh, yes. You're right. You're right. That's like the girl in Ayato's story quest, right? Like the marriage. The, the almost marriage. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they control the kind of like subgroups groups of officials that like check to see who's coming over and like we're gonna trade it's like no you cannot trade you don't have the right paperwork right they uh, supervise the borders and they also manage the finances of inazuma so scary so with that being said we've kind of set up who some of the key players are gonna be in inazuma as we come into it in the middle of both of these decrees going on so we have the sakoku 
decree, which has Inazuma shutting down its borders. But we also have the Vision Hunt decree, which is basically the Ryan Shogun taking everyone's visions away, if possible. So my understanding is that the Vision Hunt decree started about a year prior to us landing in Inazuma. Yes. So maybe when we first start the game, hypothetically speaking. Yeah, it could be. That timeline would kind of work out because we're not even in leeway at that point to say like, you know, we've run into anybody who talks about Inazuma or anything like that it's probably not until that part of the story that we start learning about this whole other place which also makes sense because it wasn't out in the very beginning as well i have a sneaky suspicion follow me down this rabbit hole of like so we know captain varka leaves about a year before the events like the concurrent events of the game when we you know wake up and we're like oh what's this i have a feeling That's probably also the exact same time Sokoku Decree as well as the Vision Hunt Decree came about. So, like, it seems a lot of shit started to happen a year before we woke up. Yeah, because we brought the fire. Yeah, we did. (laughs) We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world been turning. Since Paimon found us and, like, a little egg in the middle of the water. Paimon started the fire. <laughs> that's that's the reason we woke up. Paimon was trying to wake us up. He was like, I fucked up. I fucked up. <laughs> it's like, I need your help and I feel like you might be able to help me, please. <laughs> okay, okay. So, But just to sort of recap, so we have A, the Electro Archon. She creates this puppet which we know in the game as Raiden Shogun. And the Raiden Shogun, I'm assuming that she does both of these things, but she is the one who has been programmed by A to uphold eternity, or A's version of eternity, which means nothing new coming in, going out, everything is eternal, just like lightning. So A has the Raiden Shogun programmed to do whatever it takes even if it's very cutthroat, dangerous, murderous, to protect Inazuma from any kind of outside influence. So she does the Sokoku decree to block off the borders, and then she does the Vision Hunt decree, which we're just sort of coming into as we get to Inazuma, which means that she's actually going out and collecting visions from anyone who has one. By the time that we get there, they've literally collected 99 visions within a year and our arrival in this moment that we have very early on in the quest between us toma and the shogun is kind of like the hundredth the the special 100th episode special 100th um ceremony of you know taking a vision and then shogun realizes wait you don't have a vision and we're like haha sucker peace out cub scout exactly (laughs) this is why we are the mc my guy so now we're gonna take tomas well they wanted to take tomas but then they saw us and they were like we could just put you in the statue anyway (laughs) so like al said you know the decree has been going on for about a year we show up to inazuma we find out about it and the first thing we do in regards to the decree is run into yoimiya so toma brings us to yoimiya who needs help and yoimiya is hiding people in the basement of her father's firework shop who have visions trying to protect them and trying to help them get out and she's also working with someone that's creating fake visions so when they get their visions taken from them 
It's not even their actual vision. So there's a lot going on and there's a lot of uproar amongst the people in Inazuma. And I think it's really important maybe to look into some of the characters we all know who have been affected by this decree and who hasn't been because it's my understanding that people who worked closely with any uh, part of the Tri-Commission weren't affected by this like Kujo Sarah, Haizu, Ayaka, Ayato, like none of them were running any risk of losing their visions per se, which makes me very interested in why Toma was at risk of losing his vision since he does work so closely with the Kamisatos. I guess because he works with the family, not the commission, perhaps. They were like, you a maid? Mm-hmm. And could also lead into why they were using him even for the vision hunt ceremony, which was that big ceremony for the hundredth to almost be a, a little bit of a look where even we can even take his. He's also very like a very much a public figure and he sort of serves as a public face of the Yashiro Commission. So I always assume that the Tenryo Commission was getting sort of wise to the fact that the Yashiro Commission was a part of this rebellion that was building against mm. the Vision Hunt Decree, which ties into the main part of the rebellion in Watatsumi Island, led by Kokomi, which we can get into later. But Toma is, you know, he's sort of like the ambassador of the Yashiro Commission and is a public face of Ayato and Ayaka. So it makes sense to me that he was sort of public enemy number one of the Tenryo Commission to sort of send a message of, hey, we're not going to put up with this anymore. Like, you have a vision, we're going to take it. And your little rebellion is going to stop right here. I'd also like to backtrack for a second for travelers who haven't done the inazuma storyline in a while or maybe just finished it and are a little like confused of the timeline we kind of jumped so we start off talking with toma who brings us to yoimiya we help yoimiya with a few things helping people escape and then we're brought we find out one day that like toma has been taken in like ayaka comes in and tells us that they have taken toma and that they are going to take toma's vision away and there is this huge badass cutscene of the traveler interrupting this 100th vision ceremony and trying to kick shogun's ass kind of getting their ass kicked but getting toma's vision back at least there's a lot of stuff in between but we'll, we'll keep it at that for now and toma helps us escape so cute picks us up basically helps us run away and toma is then forced to go into hiding and in game anytime you go really close to the tenryo commission the like police basically try to arrest you and you always get like kicked out so the vision hunt decree they're taking very seriously and we basically came in and screwed up their big celebration ceremony for it so we have become public enemy number one in the game at this point like always like always <laughs> we're always the star of the story they're taking these visions and putting them on a statue mm -hmm. and that statue is very interesting too it's the omnipresent god and that's where the ceremony is set to take place too is right in front of that that big statue that's kind of set up and has as you first go to Inazuma you see all of the visions kind of scattered across them and stuff like that Mm -hmm. The cool parts about that statue is outside of the fact that it has a look that's kind of similar to the little figure that we see in the Welkin Moon, which is interesting just because it is the omnipresent god. She also has an emblem um, on her chest. Of, it looks like a necklace that actually looks like the Eye of the Storm, which is, you know, also kind of cool because it's like, well, is that kind of what's going out going on in the ocean? 
like actually the storm itself, but it's also on like its little platform. And we don't know if that means it was still being built or if it was broken because we're able to go underneath it and see there's something wrong. So we're not sure if it's because this was built somewhere else and imported or if it was built there and, you know, just needs to be repaired. And the part that I think is important uh, that leads to why it's why it's even makes a difference of where it comes from is because in the background of our whole story that we're talking about the Fatui and the Shneznayan diplomats are always still involved back there so is it something that they actually even brought in wow I never even thought of that so mm-hmm. you're saying that that Snezhnaya might have created the statue and sent it to Inazuma yes because the Fatui is actually really to blame when it comes down to the Vision Hunt Decree. While it bodes well for A's whole idea of eternity, they want to sell their delusions. They just right. want to market for their delusions. So what's the best way to do that? Make them illegal. People have to get the delusions instead. So it's all kind of like a part of a scheme for them. And there's actually some people, I don't know if it's an actual part in the story or if people, if it's a theory that A actually knows that the Fatui is behind it when she's kind of signing off on all of this stuff, but that she feels like the visions would interrupt with eternity and keeping things status quo in the nation. So she's kind of like, yeah, all right, well, let's just let this go through. But she knows that there's something going on in the background. I love that this game just keeps on trolling Russia. (laughs) (laughs) I hope they never stop. But also, oh my God. Okay. So big ass theory time. I love the theory that the Fatui are actually like, well, not the Fatui, but the Harbingers specifically are trying to go against Celestia, like that idea of a theory. What if the omnipresent god is supposed to like, they're doing it to create conflict and you have this statue of an omnipresent god that's kind of like a hated thing because people's visions are being taken away. People hate it. So they hate the omnipresent god who is the goddamn sustainer of heavenly principles and that's the theory but (laughs) i know i keep interjecting with like random theories but that could be you know subterfuge that they try and do and see how that works in in inazuma and that way they can even get more people to join their cause which they kind of do yeah i mean i don't want to bring up the first death in the game (laughs) <laughs> wow Wait, is it the first death yeah like, oh the yeah death. first you bring up dead kids last week now you're bringing up the first character death oh god here oh god i'm so sorry yeah what is it with you b brendan are you gonna start paying for my therapy i'm a fun crusher i'm a fun wow. crusher <laughs> Crush that fun. Crush that. I okay. I will say I did cry at this scene because it's devastating. But bees, if you if you want to take it and explain, no, I don't want to explain. <laughs> Beans like no. That's where I'm putting my foot down. We are not going no. into that. No, we we can't. We can't, we gotta go back. So no. Yes. So. <laughs> So I want to go back real quick to visions. So I think it's really interesting that the omnipresent God is someone that no one really knows who they are. And what's very interesting when we see this omnipresent God statue is that we can actually see the visions in it. One of the visions we see on there is Edo's. And there are a few other ones on there that we don't recognize. Additionally, later down the road at the very end of the Inazuma storyline, the traveler is lent the power of all the, or I should say the ambition of all 
the people who lost their visions during the decree. And we're able to use those powers and that inspiration to help us fight and win our fight, right? I'm not going to say with who, I'm not going to say with what, for those of you who haven't done it yet. But are there any other characters we know who have lost their visions? I, I know Ito lost his, and it was like he lost it, but then stole it back and then got it taken again. Very Ito. Mm-hmm. He still wants vengeance. He's channeling his inner Eula and still wants vengeance on Kujo Sara. He wants a rematch! Yeah, he wants a rematch with her because he actually lost his vision the second time to her in a in a fight. So while it's usually very devastating and people are being, it's being stolen right out from under them, he had to actually take his off and hand it over. I love that. He's like, God damn it, fine. Mm-hmm. Your beetle was bigger than mine. <laughs> Besides Ito, I mean, most characters we meet still have their vision. You know, I'm trying to think of like in, in a zoom in characters. Mm-hmm. Kazuo ran away, still has his. Kokomi and Goru both still have theirs. There is one who actually gave his to Ayato. Oh, who is that? He um, challenged Ayato to some kind of contest and lost. So he had his vision up for grabs as the reward. And um, he voluntarily gave it over to Ayato. Oh, wow. Hmm. A lot of competitions around visions. In in Azuma, yeah. Well, it's not necessarily because it was taken, but Kazuha does have a, a master list vision that there is a when we're before we make it over to an inazuma we have to compete in a little fight to be able to see who can win this vision and it's masterless because its owner died that we find out in a in a cutscene was kazuma's friend and is oftentimes referred to as tomo mainly because of the Japanese translation of the word, but it's also people just call him Tomo now. There's a nice little ship there that Kazuma and Tomo were more than just friends. But I digress. Yeah. <laughs> boy, friends, I love, boy, I want friends. more Tomo. I want so much more Tomo because that story Same. is just, it's so good. But it's it, Tomo short, um, Tomodachi, which means friend. He was killed. Kazuma steals the vision, runs off with it, and then wants to see if he can almost like reanimate it, which he does find out that he can't. Like you can't just give the vision to somebody and they're just going be able to take it and wear it and do all the good stuff with it right but he can reactivate it yes at another we'll talk about that in a minute but continue on sorry so yeah we do find out that there is a way to reawaken it it's just not necessarily it's somebody who was not granted one cannot use it kind of even going back to with Yanfei, who was trying to see how much it was worth when she was measuring it on scales that we talked about a few weeks ago the the visions are very targeted toward the owners or just the people who have been deemed special enough to have them you can go buy yourself a delusion but not a vision yeah can we talk about like what a vision is and I mean, if Mariah were here, she would just say it's a vision of love. But since she's not... I didn't know where you're going with that. I was like, who's Mariah? Mariah, Mariah <laughs> Carey? <laughs> the Mariah all I want for Christmas? <laughs> I mean, I had a vision of love. <laughs> you do have a vision of love. And it was all that you've given to me. So <laughs> My vision of love is Kazuha and Tomo. Exactly. I think, I think Mariah <laughs> is a part of the Koyoverse. We're going to make that happen somehow. So a vision is given to people. We've mentioned it a couple of times too in other episodes where a vision is granted upon people who are worthy, who have this ambition, who usually do something pretty miraculous, I guess you could say. Miraculous. Um, 
Sometimes it's a little more blase. <laughs> Some people do something really cool. Other people just like Barbara, just like we mentioned last week, just wakes up with one in her hand. A lot of people just wake up with them in their hand or like <laughs> yeah. open their eyes and have one. It's like, whoa. Icho woke up and it was under his ass. Yeah. And it's this ornamental gem, and most of the characters have them attached, you know, to their clothes or something uh, upon their body. <laughs> it channels the elemental energy. That's how they channel their element. So it's sort of described to us as something that is based on their ambition, which we find out in Inazuma. Unless you have an animal vision, you just have to have a dead friend then. <laughs> right. <laughs> You either have a dead friend, which gives you animo, or <laughs> you're ambitious in some way. Mm. After experiencing some kind of moment of ambition, you are granted sometimes a vision or this ornamental gem by Celestia. And for a long time, everyone thought that it was the actual gods or the archons of each element that was granting these. So people thought that Venti was the one giving out these animo visions and Zhongli was giving out the geo visions and the Raiden Shogun or A was giving out the electro visions. But that is not true, which we find out from A because A explains to us that these were not given out by her. In fact, during the vision hunt decree, there were no new Electrovisions given out. Which kind of led people to think that she was actually giving them out because she was busy with locking up in Azuma, mm -hmm. you know, and taking away everybody's mm -hmm. visions. It almost leads to the fact that you would think that she was responsible for it. Yeah. And I also think something really uh, important to note too when it comes to that is that a lot of the people of Tavat are still under the impression that the gods are giving out the visions. Like, you know, us as the player were privy to a lot of information as the traveler and so we find out that you know these gods aren't giving out the visions but like you guys just said people assume a must be giving them out because there are no new electro visions in that year and i think one of you guys was telling me that sumeru is even like researching it mm -hmm. and trying to figure it out yeah the academia in sumeru does a bunch of research and we're trying to figure out because of the phenomenon of the fact that the electro vision stopped being given out during the vision hunt decree you can kind of assume that the academia actually may already know that they come through Celestia or a higher being at some whomever it is, the omnipresent god, whom, whomever this is that's giving them out. But they kind of take a little look and go, well, why aren't they being given out now? So it must be A, that's, or Raiden Shogun, who's uh, giving these out and not just because like, why else would they just randomly stop? Right. But when you look at A's voice lines, one of them says, you know, really, so in all this time, no new electrovisions have appeared in the outside world. Well, what can I say on this topic is subject to certain constraints, but... Contracts with Zhongli. <laughs> it is not by my will that visions are granted or denied. The key is people's desire and, well, there's another side to it, too. This voice line blew my mind because she's saying that what she can say on this topic is subject to certain constraints and then she says the key is people's desire and well there's another side to it too and she doesn't say anything about it so this is really like leading me to believe that all of the archons are muted by some kind of power like they are not allowed to talk about Celestia because we know that these visions are being granted by Celestia in some 
some way because that's confirmed by Venti at the very end of the Mondstadt questline. A is really confirming that like, well, we're not giving out the visions that's happening in Celestia, but I can't talk about it. And why can't she talk about it? And that sort of makes me almost forgive Venti and Zhang Li for not telling us anything about Celestia <laughs> yeah. or visions really. They have an NDA with the sustainability <laughs> principles. Yeah. Uh, AKM Hoyovers <laughs> has the NDA. I hope one day that I come into this recording and find some kind of connection back to the Fatui. I'm not going to make one up, but I'm going to find it. <laughs> so you think, what, what do you mean? You think the Fatui? I think that there's something like, I don't know, there's just some, to me, Celestia from the very beginning always seemed like, you know, it was heaven. It's where all these like happy gods and they're just taking care of everybody. I mean, until I realized that they threw a freaking nail down on a mountain, killed a bunch of people. Then it was like, maybe they're not so nice. <laughs> so then it made me think of like Mount Olympus and all the, you know, Greek gods kind of all hanging out in a court together and just being jerks. Venti actually has a really interesting line about the Saritza and how they used to be in communication until 500 years ago. And he sort of makes it seem like something happened to her that changed her. And now that, and now she won't talk to him. The Saritza? Now the Sarita just that's the cryo archon cryo archon okay yeah the leader of the harbingers well that's why there's a lot of like debate out there that like the saritza like lost a loved one or possibly like someone probably died in the cataclysm that she cared about and i know way back when during our very first episode when we talked about kaya we even brought up that there's like some weird chance that the saritza could be his mom <laughs> so like uh -huh. you know there's a lot of possibilities with the saritza losing love but i do want to say i do not think the fatui is involved in anything with the visions because they're creating delusions and they are oh, trying true. to like give themselves the power and for our travelers who don't know a delusion is basically a man-made vision it could be very dangerous it can kill people and i think our greatest example of that is tartaglia during your battle with child in the golden house his second phase where he becomes electro is his delusion state and he openly admits that it exhausts him and the third state his foul legacy is probably from his like abyssal powers we think not confirmed yeah and the first death that we see in <laughs> <laughs> this game and Inazuma is also because of a delusion. Rest in peace. Spoiler alert. Tepe. <gasps> tepe. tepe. Another, boy. again, bringing up the dead people. Oh, <laughs> but I did want to go back. You know, we were talking earlier about visions and how it must be some sort of ambition and how there's something else going on. You know, Shogun alludes to there being something else. Lisa has quite a few voice lines that are also suspicious of what visions are and what they possibly could be used for. And Lisa almost suggests that a vision could be bad and that it could be more of like a, the gods are watching you. What does she say? Before I like find the voice line too, for our travelers who don't know, in a interview that Hoyovers did spontaneously, they openly admitted that like Lisa is dying, basically. It's wild. It's crazy. Like <laughs> so much death. God damn. She basically took a book, like read a book or something that gave her wisdom she shouldn't have, which I find very interesting now after doing Sumeru with the like canned knowledge and the forbidden knowledge and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it said that it took half of her life, basically. It cut her life in half, I should say. Maybe that's why she left Sumeru. 
It also explains why she's like so carefree and, you know, sexually open. Her lifespan has been cut very short and she's like making up for last time. Right. Let me get into those MUBAs. <laughs> so Lisa says at one point in her voice lines, visions, they're a necessary device in controlling the elements, with you being the sole exception, of course. As for why that is, perhaps we can find time to talk about that a little later. Later, when she's talking about herself, she says, a vision may seem like a great tool, but one day the power one accumulates always finds a way to turn back on you. Should such a day come for me, so long as you're around, uh, never mind. Hmm. Turns back around on you. Interesting. She also used to be the Witch of the Purple Rose, which is interesting. A lot of people have thought that maybe she had more power with her vision prior to whatever happened. So, you know, there's a lot of questions around that. Tignari actually has a line about Lisa. And he says, Sino has mentioned her before, an extraordinary genius with a verbal wealth of knowledge and talent. A pity that she returned the Mondstadt so long ago. Perhaps in the course of her studies, she witnessed the horrifying side of knowledge. That is so crazy. She must have witnessed the forbidden knowledge. I wonder if maybe part of her losing half of her lifespan or whatever is tied into her avoiding Elazar. And maybe that's tied into like why she knew to contact Sino when Kale showed up in Mondstadt in the manga. I did also want to say that Venti explains to us that people who are granted visions are called allogenes. A-L-L-O-G-E-N-E-S. Allogenes. That's someone who has a vision. And what's interesting is that the word Genshin is used in place of allergene in the Chinese version of the game. It also technically means in Chinese original god, apparently. So they're sort of using it, I guess there's some weird translation things going on, but Genshin Impact, the the actual title of the game is sort of referring, some people think, to these humans that have visions, which could become gods. They're sort of demigods. Mm, that's interesting. Ooh. Well, you know, I think what's really important here too, and I'm going to backtrack again, I apologize for that. But Brandon, you had mentioned that there's some weird things going on with Celestia and it seems like there's a contract in place here. And there's a lot of talk out there that, you know, Celestia might like sky nail in Azuba. It would, it would what? Sky nail! <laughs> Because basically the Ryan Shogun was going against some of the main principles of Celestia, which is like, you don't mess with Celestia, you know, which you were saying earlier that they must have some contract with Celestia that's keeping them from talking about Celestia. Well, I actually read that A is among the Archons. She's actually the closest to upholding the properties of the sustainer of heavenly principles like her whole euthymia like eternity thing is like the closest that an archon can get to heavenly principles how is that so though if she's breaking one of those main rules which is like you can't mess with the flow of time and life good question like her looking her searching for eternity is like the exact opposite of what the celestia want so that's really interesting i mean did they know what she wanted so that's like the big question right is does celestia really know what the raiden shogun has been doing do do they know that a she's on this hunt for eternity 
but B, that she was removing visions from people when she's supposed to be, you know, she knows so much about it from Celestia and she's supposed to be backing Celestia up. And I think that also goes back to what a few, uh, I think Tiff mentioned it. The Vision Hunt decree was not A at all. It was the Raiden Shogun being convinced by the Tenryo Commission and the Fatui. And in the end, A had no idea what was going on because she's out meditating, you know, on like a retreat and has no idea what's happening and has programmed the Raiden Shogun to protect eternity at all costs. So when the Raiden Shogun is approached by the Fatui and the Tenryo Commission, she is convinced that this is the right thing to do. So there's also a part of it that's like, Inazuma may have been going against Celestia, but A didn't know that. So maybe you're right, A is the closest to the gods, but her nation isn't. And I always sort of took it as the Vision Hunt Decree only started a year ago. So maybe Celestia hasn't really caught on or noticed yet. In terms of, you know, something, a foul happening. I was under the impression, actually, that I does actually know what's going on. That where the Raiden Shogun is the one who's, you know, the enforcer and making sure it's happening. That she actually does know. She doesn't care, but she knows. Oh, I was always under the impression that, you know, since she programmed the Shogun, that she was just kind of like living in oblivion. And because when we go to the final battle of Inazuma, we fight the Shogun first. And then we go back and, well, we fight Senora, but we go to fight the Shogun and then get transported into the Plain of Euthymia. And I think us causing it like a ruckus is really only what gets us to the Plain of Euthymia. I don't think if Senora also hadn't died, <laughs> that we would have ended up there. Yeah. Uh, but I could be wrong, though. I, I just always assumed A was just like, like you, maybe she had an idea that something was happening, but just didn't care. Yeah, that's, I agree with that, which is, I think what Tiff is saying is like, she was sort of, she was aware of it as like, almost like something in the peripheral of her vision that she didn't really care about. It was like a mosquito <laughs> flying around. And she's just like, well, that's far enough away that I need to, I don't need to worry about that. I can just keep meditating. Yeah. Like it wasn't going to mess up her plans or anything like that. So. Right. Well, right. hold on. A mentions or like goes in depth into this in the second part of Yar Conquest when she's trapped in a continuous battle between herself and the Raiden Shogun. And basically, to sum it all down, she's like, fuck, I programmed this thing really well to protect eternity and did not think of the quote-unquote consequences of what that is. Because, like, also eternity, eternity is also just change constantly. That's the one constant of the universe is that there is change. So like being stagnant kind of goes against the entire idea of what eternity is. But that happened after, well, I think that battle started after the Vision Hunt decree. Yes, but that's when she goes more in depth into like the explanation of who A is versus who the Raiden Shogun is. Yeah, She probably like thought, this is fine. This is cool. It's also only been a year, but didn't know the actual impact it had on her people because she's been in Euthymia the entire time. Yeah. Once we are taught by Yai how to go in there ourselves without like being taken into Euthymia, we learn all this stuff. I will say A is complicit (laughs) in what happened. (laughs) Very complicit. Yeah. 
her programming of the Shogun created the situation. I really love that Yai's sort of like, you're being a brat, like snap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love Yai. Yai's best girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, I guess that's always was, always was my assumption was that like A knew something was happening but didn't care enough because she thought she had programmed the Shogun well enough to not fuck it up. Because I feel like Again, if A knew that visions were being taken away, I feel like she would know that's going against Celestia. Like, that's, like, literally going directly against, like, the one thing Celestia does in the world. And when she goes to battle the Raiden Shogun later in her second story quest, she's doing it to reprogram the Raiden Shogun as well. Like, she's had some time away she's acknowledged all of her wrongs and she's like all right we gotta fix this shit but i mean i definitely think it could be either or like you guys said it's like the mosquito in the room that she ignores or it's something that like again she knows there's an object outside is it a ball is it a plane she does not know (laughs) it's very disturbing you know i mean just like with venti and zhongli it's like these archons are impacting all these lives (laughs) And it's sort of at their whim, you know? Right. I think it's really important to talk about the repercussions as well of having a vision taken away. When we are doing the main Inazuma storyline, we go down this whole like path of meeting three separate people who have had their visions taken away. And like the main thing that ties them all together is that none of them are acting like themselves. I think one person like loses their memory. Another one has no ambition. So having a vision taken away from you is kind of like taking a piece of yourself away as well, which I think is really interesting because we haven't seen like a playable character have their, of course, we know Ito and possibly Kuki had their visions taken away, but we haven't actually seen what that looks like with a character. I know there's a ton of like fanfics and stuff out there especially after sumeru of like sino giving up his vision and other characters giving up their visions but i mean d luke gave up his vision voluntarily for years but he had a delusion which he carried with him and then eventually he sort of felt his ambition come back which is when he returned to Mondstadt and, you know, reclaimed his vision. But that, and that actually leads me to this line in D. Luke's character story where he describes what a vision is. And I, I found it really interesting because he says, to the lost, perhaps a vision is a beacon of light given by the gods to help them find the path forward. But to those with conviction, a vision is simply an extension of their strength, a medium for channeling their willpower, a tribute to the experiences that have shaped them and a testament to the story of their life so far. And that sort of makes me wonder, I don't know if he means when he says to the lost, perhaps a vision is a beacon of light given by the gods to help them find the path forward. I don't know if he means that as in people who don't have a vision see them like that, or if he means that there are people with visions who are lost and the vision is sort of a guiding light for them. If the latter's true then that would explain why some people lose their visions and they become lost (laughs) right whereas other people who have quote-unquote conviction you know give up or lose their visions and they're fine i mean the whole watatsumi army is filled with people that you know were former vision bearers and they retain their faculty at least enough to like fight in a war against the shogunate so That's very true. And I think that also goes to what we were saying earlier about Shogun's line as well. 
Like she says that some get visions from ambitions and others. Well, I can't really talk about that. Yeah. Well, she says, she says part of it is their ambition, but then there's something else. There's another side to it too, but she doesn't say what the other side is. Like I, I would almost say Kai is a really good example of someone who was like desperate when they got their vision. Like, you know, Kaya was battling D. Luke, and a lot of people like to say that he got his vision because it saved his life. But at the same point, like, Kaya had just lost Krapis as well. He had just told his brother a huge secret, and he just realized that he probably was going to lose his brother as well at that moment. So if Kaya had survived D. Luke's attack and not gotten a vision, Kaya probably would have been very lost and, like, unsure of what to do in his life. So I feel like he got his vision to, like, tell him that he's worth it and to keep going. And I'm sure his whole life lying to people, you know, also <laughs> right would have made him feel lost as well. And I think even Kale getting a vision, you know, when Kale in the manga leaves Mondstadt and goes to Sumeru, I'm sure there's a huge feeling of being lost and confused. She's dropped off the Livatignari. She can't read. She's never lived like a non-angsty teen life, you know, being angry at the world. Right. And I'm sure when she got her vision, that was also more about the conviction and helping her. Not about the conviction. I'm sorry. That's more about like helping this lost soul. Like a guiding light. Right. I also think it's really interesting how visions appear when they're granted and how that's different for different characters. So like Lisa's and Shenha's sort of fell into their hands, but Ayato's and Kuki's, they appeared while they were like in a different room and like among their belongings. Sucrose's appeared in her cauldron while she was doing an experiment so there's something weird going on there where like some people have it appear like right into their hands and other people just discover it right this also leads me to i just want to mention this there's a character in sumeru some people have not made it to this part in the story yet so i'm not going to spoil who it is but there is a character in sumeru that the traveler and paimon witness receiving a vision and the actual text and i made it gender neutral to help avoid spoilers but it says from their chest glows a light with the, the warmth of heartbeat faint yet bright they try to cover and touch the light with their hands but the light source burrows into their hands as if consciously when the light fades out a delicate ornament appears in their hand so that's sort of like sounds like what might have happened with Lisa and Shenha. It also is interesting that they say the light with the warmth of heartbeat because in Benny's vision story, he actually, his vision is actually flashing to the beat of his heart. So that's really interesting. But then, you know, you have Ayato and Kuki and Sucrose and like other people that where the vision just sort of appears like among their things and they're not even there. So I think that's really interesting. Also, there's, you know, these masterless visions, which is the shell of a vision after someone dies. And I did not know this until today, but Ningguang and Mona, their visions were masterless visions before they were activated while they were holding them. I knew that about Mona's, but not about Ningguang. Yeah. Ningguang was like, I'm going to, oh, I could sell this. Like, I could make so much money off of this. And then while she's thinking that, it activates. <laughs> it's like, in bitch, her hand. don't sell me. Well, I mean, that's, that's Ningguang's ambition, right? She wants to make money. <laughs> 
And then Mona, she was given a masterless vision from her teacher as a teaching aid and was carrying it around with her until it, it activated. And then, of course, you have Kazwa, who has a masterless vision of his dead friend, quote unquote friend. We all know it's his boyfriend that activates, you know, during the finale of Inazuma, but it only activates temporarily, which makes us wonder if maybe that's because he already has a vision. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can resonate with a vision permanently if you don't already have one but only temporarily if you already have one. That's very interesting. And, you know, I was just thinking about all the different ways people get visions too. Haya and Ayaka both got theirs in fights with their brother, which is also interesting. Like there's that essence of like, you can get it in a battle of sorts. Like Ayaka was training, Kaya was gonna die, but they both still got it while mid fight too, which is crazy. Like that can just happen. Like imagine being in the middle of a war and like a, a beautiful little glass ornament falls to your hand and protects you and now you have fire powers like what the hell (laughs) but um also i you know there's a few people in the game who kind of are like i expected to get a vision and one of them is albedo like he kind of just was like getting a vision was expected by him he says and he says that when it formed he merely looked down to verify that it was there and then continued on with his day so Mm, like did it just appear on his collar and he was like oh lit all right (laughs) like sus Suspedo. I do want to say on the day of this recording, it is Whopper Flower Albedo's birthday. It's the first day we ever heard about uh, Whopper Flower Beto. Oh, really? (laughs) Everyone on Twitter is celebrating. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) God, look. They're like, we may swappy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I, I also saw something that said that they're really upset that Albedo's not in the upcoming rerun. Uh, oh my god. Look, look, <laughs> we got him for what? Early early late October? Whichever it is. Fuck it. Because he's the Mariah Carey of Genshin and he should be here for December. <laughs> Just like a storyline with him, you know, like I'm biased, obviously. Mariah is all up in this episode. I know, is she? Jesus. But I do think that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, travelers, for hanging out with us today. If you'd like to keep up to date on everything we're doing, you can feel free to give us a follow on Instagram, Tales of Tavat Pod, or on Twitter, Tales of Tavat. We'd also love to encourage our travelers to please send us an email to Tales of Tavat pod at gmail.com to let us know if there's any topics you'd really like to hear about if you have any crazy theories or anything we'd love to hear them and respond and chat with you guys as well i'm sure a lot of you have a lot of thoughts on some of these topics because we have a lot of thoughts that don't even fit into these hour-long episodes so please feel free to let us know again our email is tales of tavat pod at gmail.com uh next week we're going to be talking about the most tartaglicious man in the world, Child, Ajax, and Tartaglia, the three named ginger boy harbinger with a cute brother. So I hope we get to see you guys next week when we talk about some fun angst. And uh, otherwise, travelers, safe journeys. We'll see you next time. Bye, Electro Nerds. <laughs> <laughs>